0: there we go there we go all sorted so um Eric I've just looked at your resume and I've listened to a lot of your interviews and you know your stuff crikey like there's (laughs) a lot that I just don't know I was obviously just a kind of kind of low-end civil servant before I was um, unfairly dismissed but can you tell me a bit about how you got into the kind of field of um, politics and nationalism identities and things like that
1: yeah i mean i'm i've been an academic for many years uh too many years now i think it's uh, <laughs> 24 25 now so um in my um when i did my master's and doctoral work it was mainly to do with uh, demographic change and its impact on national identity in western mm-hmm. countries particularly the us um and you know to understand the the increasing levels of immigration and the uh, increasing diversification, I had to understand what was happening on the left, the cultural left, if you yeah. like um so these are people who believe in diversity who who are uh, very focused on ethnic and racial discrimination um, and they played a big role in. The immigration reforms that occur in North America, for example, in the mid '60s. Okay. Now, I, you know that interest in the cultural left; its roots back to the 19th century. You know that's something that featured quite a bit, even in my first book back in 2004. It was actually written in the late '90s, um, okay. and 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 actually, I'm largely picking up the thread of of that kind of research so I've been looking at these questions for a long time and I've been aware for a long time of the kind of what I call left modernism this ideology Mm -hmm. which is kind of the umbrella ideology for what we're living through and it's actually got a long history and it's not exactly the same for example as communism it's Mm. to some degree anti-communist but it's much more cultural and it's much more about identity groups and ensuring equality amongst identity groups and ensuring diversity instead of homogeneity and attacking white majorities. That whole history goes back even to the 1910s. Now, in a a very sort of small way, in the US case, in a very small way, but it really explodes in the 60s. And so a lot of what we're living through is not so new as people think it is. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's kind of supercharged since the mid twenty tens by mainly by social media and its interaction with the new clickbait journalism, so that that's mm. sort of exploded this phenomenon, but the the ideas are actually much older
0: You're right most
1: of them are yeah
0: would that include or come from like is it the Frankfurt school in in Europe because
1: I, I, my view is largely not the the okay. only figure that really matters in the frankfurt school is is Herbert Marcuse. Um, who is – there was a split in the Frankfurt School between people like Adorno and some of the other Frankfurt School people um, who were actually quite critical of the radical student movements of the 1960s, Mm. and Marcuse, who said, no, no, this is great. And he's the figure that bridges that earlier kind of more Marxist tradition – with the newer identity politics tradition. So Marcuse is a key figure, but mm. the others, I don't think have much to do with it at all. Right,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I actually think this kind of stems much more from, uh, it, it really starts with black power radicalism and third world anti-colonial radicalism mm. in the early 60s. And then white left intellectuals taking the perspective of black radicals. And that's mm. where this starts. And then it's just building slowly. They're recruiting their own in academia and then eventually it breaks out of academia in the mid 2010s.
0: Yeah. I certainly think social media has a big part of it. And allowing for particularly like youngsters, even when I was about eighteen and Facebook became really popular, I saw people having their children having their profiles created from like day one and they're, yeah. you know, <laughs> updating it so they're like living on the internet. Um, I think that's definitely there's a bit of problem with that. Um, certainly with the newer app of TikTok and spreading these ideas. Um, unfortunately, I wish it was kind of just contained to that. As parents, I think we could have we can challenge that, but it seems to have corrupted into institutions massively, as I so found out myself (laughs) um after coming back from maternity leave, funnily enough. Um uh, I was looking through, so I was looking through this diversity and inclusion strategy, and it seems to take, I guess, would be a juxtaposition, perhaps, where it talks about because the civil service code's based on impartiality, integrity, honesty, objectivity. So fair enough. That that's kind of like an oath, like a, a doctor would take an oath of like do no harm, the Hippocratic oath. As a civil servant, you take the oath to really well, not an oath, but the code of conduct but then it's also adding this kind of intersectional thing of I mean it focuses a lot on socioeconomic backgrounds which I would fit in nicely because I come from a very working class background single parent household um, but then it also touches on ethnic minorities particularly um, and boosting that in the civil service so how do you reckon we've got to the point where we've got a code of conduct of particularly impartiality and also ideology. How how do you reckon that's, they can correlate those two things?
1: Well, what you tend to see, it's the same with schools. You know, they have the, uh, there's a a law that says they can't indoctrinate with political ideology or or partisanship in the schools, section Mm -hmm. 406 and 407. Um, And in both cases, I think what we see is a, An attempt to more or less squeeze ideology to sort of apparently fit with these obligations. So, what they'll say is, well, critical race theory is just anti racism, which is a consensus value. It's not ideological.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So,
1: it's a kind of George Orwell had this phrase, you know, the meaning of words becomes political rather than scientific or empirical. And that's what they're doing. They're changing the definition of words. From their ordinary everyday scientific meaning to a political meaning, right. so suddenly uh, fighting against "quote unquote" structures and systems uh, becomes the same as you know not uh, not saying your race is superior. They're they're, mm. they're muddying. They're taking a completely unpseudo scientific theory and mashing it together with ordinary understandings of the word racism, and then right. claiming this is not political. Uh, or or they're claiming that centering race, gender, and sexuality is not political, you know, so essentially um, what they're doing is they're kind of squeezing ideology in, um, but they're shaping it in such a way that it doesn't appear to be uh, violating the codes when it very much is violating the codes, yeah. and, and of course I would blame the you know, I do blame the government for not issuing tight enough guidelines, to defining words tightly enough so that they, yeah. t- they remove the wiggle room that activists will use to insert ideology in. And they're not mm-hmm. enforcing uh, non-indoctrination. They're not enforcing impartiality a- a- the way they should be enforcing it, yeah. partly because they don't have the guts. Partly they don't understand. Uh, they don't care for all those reasons. I mm. think they just haven't cracked down on it.
0: Okay, because it's quite interesting to say about, like, redefining definitions, because that even in, like, the first part of uh, the purpose, it says it's incorporating broader definitions of diversity, including socioeconomic work experience, geographical backgrounds. I'm assuming those aren't the only things they're going to be, you know, redefining the words or broadening the definition. It sounds nice, but actually just scratching the surface, it means that it well, we can see it in gender ideology, you know, redefining the word woman to mean something circular, so it's just somebody who identifies as a woman, but, well, what is that, as Matt Welch would say? Um, so what do you reckon with these kind of strategies that are very ideological in nature, what is the purpose? Is it equal opportunity or equality of outcome?
1: Well, yeah. So, what what's going on there is a slippage between equal opportunity, which is a sort of liberal concept, like everyone should have an equal chance yeah. and be treated equally. So, equal treatment is more or less perverted into equal outcomes. So, if you don't have equal outcomes, then you don't have equal opportunity. Is the subtext? But they're by just using this word equality or equity, mm. they're using this haze to disguise a sleight of hand. They're moving between. The cultural liberal concept of equal treatment and the cultural socialist con- uh, concept of equal results,
2: yeah.
1: and that's really the sort of dishonest intellectual move that's concealed under the, the single word. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be unmasked. I mean, really, if you were to take a an empirical approach, you would you would want to unmask that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess philosophically, you can see there's a massive difference between equal treatment and equal outcomes, the the US Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action is a very clear example where they said, no, universities are not allowed to essentially violate people's right to equal treatment on the basis of race to achieve equal outcomes on the basis of race through um, a student body that mirrors some kind of demographic. Uh, So yeah, I think that's what's going on. And of course they will push it until they're called out on it. Um, And the question is who's willing to call their bluff? And now we've seen some words in the last couple of years from the government in Britain. We have seen less in the way of concrete, effective action to sort of curtail this kind of behavior.
0: Yeah. I remember one of the posts, because these were some of the comments that they said could be offensive, but they wouldn't tell me what I said was offensive, which was really, even to this, day I'll never know now. They couldn't tell me what I said that was offensive or discriminatory. So they fired me for absolutely no reason. But one of my comments to a post made in reference to, um, I think it's something like Black History Month, which is fine. You know, I'm interested in all sorts of different things, but sure. it was very ideological. The resources were ideological and they kept using the word, the author kept using the word equity. And so I posted a comment saying, are you talking about equality of outcome? Because that is very ideological and it does, in fact, breach the code of impartiality. Right. So um, I I did get a bit of a pile on, a bit like a Twitter pile on, but just a, a um, civil service one that people were saying about, well, no, he's talking about equality. I'm like, no, they're two different things. Right, you know. So I think there is pushback, and unfortunately, the results are. Who were who was who was piling on, and in what what kind of forum was this? Um... So there was like a internet. There was two internet hubs. You had the LGBT one, and the uh, anti-racism hub. And right. I thought instantly as soon as I saw anti-racism, because this was like about three months after George Floyd died, and I was learning about critical race theory. I was like, well, that term is actually very political it's not talking about like non-racism like most people are certainly in the west it's talking about anti-racism I thought do you know what these words mean are you using them in good faith or are you using them as a ideological push and a lot of people from all over the DWP not a lot a a few made some complaints saying that I was being discriminatory because I was saying that this stuff is ideological and that I was racist and fascist and all all the words all the yeah types, so. <laughs> so, these,
1: so this presumably these would be activists who are drawn to these affinity groups within the department so they're attracted into being members active members of these groups and then within these groups they decide okay this this is out of bounds and therefore we're going to go after this person I mean is that the kind of person we're, we're not talking about the average employee Uh, yeah i
0: wouldn't say it's the average employee i mean because i i'd come back working from home because it was the middle of the pandemic um and so i had to do a bit of catch up on my emails and i I noticed a few of them a lot of it was diversity and inclusion emails that they really went hard on that whilst i was away and they had set up this anti-racism hub the permanent secretary had taken an anti-racism stance and so there was a lot of um Resources promoted that wasn't very balanced anyway. If they want to have a balance and try and put it in that way, I did recommend a few people like Thomas Soul, Larry Elder, Candace Owens. But as I later found out in disclosure documents, somebody made a complaint against me saying that I was promoting pseudo intellectual fascists. (laughs) Just like okay, that that's 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 a bit of a reach. But uh, well, yeah.
1: Well, of course, the, the, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah, there was obviously this moral panic, mass hysteria around George Floyd and and Mm. in Canada as well, where I'm I'm from, there's an even worse panic around indigenous mass graves, which is complete Mm. fabrication. But these things kind of burst up with the mood of the times. But I think they're kind of building on this ideology, this deeper ideological base, which again, goes back to the late 60s, and Mm -hmm. certainly in academia has a longer, much longer history. Um, Yeah, the two elements, one is the equal outcomes, right? Oh, if if white and black aren't being promoted, or they're not as represented in the top echelons of the organization, that must be because of discrimination. It can't be because of any other reason. Whereas they would never ask a question like, why are there among white employees why are there more jews than than gypsy and irish travelers you know they would never ask a question like that so so it's just simply what you're choosing to focus on or why are there more old people in the top rather than young people no one would actually ask that because obviously you know it takes time to get up there right i mean so uh, that on its in in itself is highly ideological but you've got the equal results thing but then you also have this um sort of harm protection aspect, mm-hmm. including emotional safety, emotional harm protection, mm. um, which is a new, sort of, so these two, uh, what Jonathan Haidt calls moral foundations, the equality and the care harm. The care harm one, it sounds to me, is more like what they were getting you on in the sense that, uh, you know, that somehow you have offended somebody and therefore violated their emotional safety. So kind mm-hmm. of speech is yeah. violent. You know, so this this kind of idea is, uh, you know, I guess it develops out of that more psychotherapeutic left, Mm. new left psychotherapeutic thing, which comes up in the starting the 70s, but really, really builds more recently from the 80s, I guess. Um, And, yeah, that's essentially construing, you know, your speech rights, your freedom of thought and conscience and expression as somehow Mm. traumatic to some hypothetical uber sensitive individual from a nominated minority group obviously it doesn't matter if you're not so if you're obviously white you can say anything you like about white people they can never be uh, emotionally harming anybody right but so this is very ideological um and yeah so the, the the question if you look at the legal decisions around conceptions like hostile environment you know the law is actually much more circumscribed you actually have to prove something at a much higher level. But what happens is, like the Equality Act, you know, and the way it thinks about a hostile workplace, Mm. some of the, the problems stem from the fact that the equality law is not well enough circumscribed. So they need to issue much more clear guidance on when free speech trumps equality duties. They've done it for Universities, but I think they need to do it more broadly because yeah. what it does is, is it allows busybodies and activists to interpret the law the way they want to and more mm. or less take the most ridiculous interpretation and use it as a justification. Mm. Uh, oh, well, the Equality Act tells us we must ensure good relations. Therefore, we could get to fire you. You know, yeah. that's the, yeah. and, and of course whenever they go to court, they lose basically. But, um, usually but it doesn't get to court or maybe there's a tribunal so it doesn't cost the employer that much money. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is one of the reasons we need legislation, we need kind of government led guidance in order to stamp this out. But that's their logic really is to say, what they're effectively saying is emotional safety trumps free speech as a value Mm -hmm. in our society, trumps truth and reason. Um, And it's complete reordering of our civilization's
0: values. is is particularly i'd say it's alien to me it's never something that has been like you know i'm sure most people can agree that racism and all these other isms they they do exist i just think that there is more of um, a demand than there is the supply and it's trying to find something that may not necessarily be there like a a silly comment or something like that you know um (laughs) And it's just like, generally speaking, it's just like I'm aware of what the stereotypes are for every different group. I'm sure, but I don't think that about those groups when I happen to meet them. It's just like, you know, what, mate, how's it going? You know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it, we, it's sort of um one of these ones where you can never prove your lack of guilt. I mean, this is one of the, and you saw that in in Orwell in 1984. A lot of this is all about. No, it doesn't matter what you say. You're guilty, right? And there's no way you have of oh, you think you're not guilty? That makes you even more guilty. You know, it's this yeah. sort of Kafkaesque game that's played. Yeah. Um, but but I think the other part of this too is the fact that our society's moved into a position where the only major public taboos are around progressive, you know, violations around race, gender, and sexuality. Mm-hmm. So so the fact that you're the fact that everyone more or less buys into these tripwires I means it, it offers an incredible incentive for opprobrium um, entrepreneurs to weaponize these taboos and to try and push those boundaries to say, oh, this <laughs> is racism and, 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 you know, talking about hiking is racism and, you know, going to a rock concert. And so the more and more you can expand the scope. The net, the drag it out, um, the more you're going to trap people in that net. and gives you power, moral power, moral authority. So I think it's a, there's an irresistible lure once you have these taboos in place. The problem is we don't have any cross-cutting taboos, like a taboo against violating someone's free speech, against violating reason. Those are much weaker, and therefore all the incentives are to go all in on the kind of race, sex, gender taboos. Yeah. Uh, And so there's no check. It's like a football match where the only incentive is to call penalties. There's no incentive to uh, not take a dive, to not call a penalty. And so, yeah, we're kind of distorting the entire moral force field of our of our civilization. So, yeah, I think the big question is going to be how to push back against that.
0: I must admit, I find it, um, you know, is like fairly recently. I don't know whether you've seen uh, there's a man who identifies himself as a woman. Um, I think he's had the full surgery, apparently some of it done by himself. Oh, boy. And um, he recently was at the Trans Pride Parade and said about punching turfs in the face and the crowd cheered. Well, this man has a history of um, physical and sexual violence. He was in prison for kidnapping a, a young man in the 80s and basically torturing him now that that's like quite an unforgivable crime, even after you've to be honest in my own maybe in my own biasing that that even after prison you're gonna be wary of somebody like that at very least and he bro- breached his license and he was taken into the police uh police custody after a push from Suela Braverman, who said that the Met police didn't do their jobs and he actually does need to be arrested because he breached his license. And a trans activist lured him like this absolute victim. Like, we need to free Sarah Jane Baker. And it's been like, but this man has done horrific things and he incited violence very recently. How can you champion that as, like, your martyr? It's a bit like George Floyd. We we know what, I mean, at the time, no one knew who he was. But the more he came back, you know, more people came out and said, well, actually, he'd done some pretty horrible things. He was using drugs and they laud him like a, a demigod, almost, oh, you yeah. know, like the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. And a, it's very bizarre how people can yeah. champion that.
1: Well, people, I think, knew about Floyd's past and everything, but none of it mattered in this sort of mass hysteria. I mean, all of that stuff was completely airbrushed out. And of course, the media or not sections of the media were completely behind this narrative. Mm. And so you just had to bow down. You had to bend the knee and everything. Uh, it was a complete episode of uh, outbreak of mass hysteria. is was quite scary in a way. But but the way the ideology kind of works is it's all about oppression points in a system. So if um, trans has, has accorded more oppression points than female, then trans wins. It's like a, an ace versus a jack, right? In the yeah. deck. Um. And so that's the only thing, that's the, the moral lodestar. So if it's a higher card, you just go with a high card. So what they're doing in a way is just jumping on this higher card of trans. They're more oppressed than women. So we're going to just, and, and of course, what, what this so-called compassionate ideology means is because you are having compassion for the People with more identity points. Mm -hmm. What that means is you then turn on those with lower numbers of points and attack them. So it's actually not very compassionate. It's compassionate to some, and it's nasty to others. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's there's a book called uh, Against Empathy by a Yale. uh, I think he's a political philosopher, but his argument is essentially that if you try and base a moral system on an emotional, an emotion like empathy, you're bound to wind up having all kinds of problems because empathy towards one means you have to attack people who aren't empathetic mm. to that group. And therefore you have to have a set of enemies. And so you, you you essentially go on the attack and you have an increase in malevolence with this mm. driving compassion. So for example, lynching of a black men in the U S was very much linked to uh, appeals to compassion for white women. That was yeah. sort of the way in which this kind of, uh, people were, they worked people up against these supposed black rapists. And then, so that kind of strategy of kind of ginning up hatred is very much on the back of um, empathy for the the weak. And, and, and so that, and, and that's kind of where we're at is that, you know, it's all about oppression points. Yeah. Um, and so trans just, okay, they've got more oppression points. The women, therefore, who cares about any of the concerns of women because you know. They're privileged in some way, it's the same with the the racial thing. You know, it, it, it's like, well, we're going to essentially trample on um, the history of Britain of the U.S. We're going we're going to trash the contributions of white people because um, we're going to be pursuing the interests of uh, the group with more intersectional points, which are minorities, yeah. and therefore in in sort of being quote unquote compassionate to minorities. We are going to be extremely malevolent and mm. nasty to this other category of people, white mm. people, let's say. Uh, it's the same logic, um, and what it essentially what it does is it, it it produces a kind of leveling down. It's it's more about destroying, whether it's female spaces and identities, white uh, or or national spaces and identities, without actually mm. doing anything to improve the lot of minorities at all. I mean, most minorities, if you look at this affirmative action, for example, most minorities are against it, right? It's being pushed by radical progressive activists, a small group of people. Uh, And and it's not actually helping because, you know, if you look at affirmative action, what it means is minorities are, are pushed into universities where they're not competitive, let's say, yeah. At higher rates, and they wind up dropping out instead of being doctors, they wind up taking africana studies and you know so mm. there is this whole mismatching or if you remove police protection you know policing of minority areas, then there's more disorder than the mm. capable uh, you know black families can 't set up businesses or get rid of standardized testing because of differential results for blacks mm. and whites, then The capable black students can't practice, get better at the test. You know, so all these things kind of compound. It it doesn't help at all. In fact, it harms the very groups it claims to be helping while driving division and resentment in the population.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, even like, you know, I've I've thought in my process, because this took place really about two and a half years over my time. My daughter was six six seven months old at the time that it all really right. kicked off so i was very new mum, and the promotion the dwp promoted a book uh by robin d'angelo angelo uh white fragility claims is like being you know white so racist from the womb and being you know very emotional at the time having a, a new baby girl i was just like oh no you didn't no natural protective instincts it's just like this stuff is dangerous to promote and yeah, um mom. i've I've noticed that in america there seems to be like over the past few years a rise in um is anti-asian hate that seems to be a thing particularly by um not not all black people of course but it seems to be the perpetrators tends to be black like would you say that's possibly as a result of this kind of bubbling resentment of groups towards each other because typically asians do rather well in america you know in in academia in in culture you know financially do you reckon that this kind of intersectional politics that's been promoted has played a part in that it's, it's
1: really hard to say you know i think you know a bigger deal is just the disorder and depolicing coming out in, in those urban areas because of these ultra progressive city mayors and,
2: and yeah.
1: district attorneys that have essentially d- either demoralize the police or or you know so what you have is a withdrawal of policing and more disorder in general yeah. so you've also you also have a huge surge in black and black violence um and mm. and probably not surprising that you know whoever if asians are, are around they're going to be victims as well but you know there may yeah. be i'm not sure whether there is an input but what i would say is that increasingly because of that um the victimhood points mathematics, right? So the Asians are seen to be more privileged than other minorities and in some ways even white adjacent because it's so-called white adjacent because mm-hmm. they are demonstrating these so-called white values of, you know, punctuality and, and uh, mm-hmm. excellence and so on. Um, and so I think more you can see it in terms of uh, anti-Asian discrimination in, you know, admittance to University, for example, mm. uh, that th- that's perhaps where I think it's clear. Or attacks on on any Asian who who is hap- happens to uphold this idea of colorblindness gets more or less attacked as well. You saw that a, a number of high profile commentators, uh, left wing journalists like this Soledad O'Brien, you know, they mm. were attacking um, Asian groups that were fighting against affirmative action. Mm.
2: Um,
1: but but it's it it is interesting that there has been a shift amongst this is mainly East Asians, not only also South Asians. Yeah, they they have been shifting right in urban areas, um, and 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 this is partly as a result of a, the perception that there's an attack on mm. the meritocratic system that they're doing very well in, uh, on the idea of equal treatment, and and of course there are more of these anti-Asian hate incidents, which are uh, overwhelmingly, um, you know, coming at the hands of black. Um, assailants, although this could just be—I mean, it could be an artifact of of the urban environment, where, yeah, um, you know, that's just the, the the ethnic mix that you're going to find in some of these yeah. urban environments.
0: If it maybe you know, if it was like a more rural part of America, like some of the flyover states, right. you know, maybe the values are different. You know, I, that usually is the case. You know, the city people tend to be a little bit more liberal more village people maybe a little bit more conservative perhaps that's the reason why you know yeah i mean and also
1: you'd have far fewer minorities in the rural areas uh Mm. that's sort of a a standard pattern in most countries and north america is no exception no you know you have a very high asians and blacks would be concentrated in urban areas Mm. and there would be far fewer outside but i also think you know it's probably true that anti-asian hate crime is is probably quite low i would guess that it would be lower in the rural areas yeah. now um i can't I, i'm not 100 percent sure i'd have to run the numbers but yeah. i would suspect
0: <laughs> yeah it seems to be like you know again like I, I did actually have a meeting because um one of the comments that i made on these forums uh the director general of the dwp or one of um he made a comment saying that this stuff was meant to jar people like me aka white people i was like wow that's a strong statement and especially coming from a white man yourself you know yeah, yeah and a part of this drive for diversity and inclusion now i have no evidence is just what my anecdotal evidence speaking with him it was more about promoting ethnic minorities in higher positions in the civil service said, well, there's no problem with people generally applying for these jobs. If they want to try put their hat in the ring, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'd be happy to do something like that. Um, But he was talking about, well, by 2050, there's going to be less white people and more minority people. So we're trying to get ahead of the game. Now, I said to him, rightly or wrongly, that's social engineering.
2: Right, We're trying to socially
0: engineering something that may or may not be true, but also it gets people not to, it demoralises people for one thing, gets sometimes the wrong people for the jobs. You know, it's based on, you know, and I said, you are basing this on race. So what about the merit? Now, I'm sure there's plenty of ethnic minorities that are more than capable of doing that job, but many of them may not apply. This could be a consequence because they feel like they'd be hired just on their race and not the actual abilities to do so. We seem to be throwing merit out of the window in favour of, well, okay, well, you're a lesbian, you're black, you're disabled. It's just like, okay, well, we, we we need people who can do the job to make the system run. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well that's why yeah and and um you know now after this affirmative action ruling in the US a lot of companies are now scared cuz all these goals and timetables and targets are now in the firing line
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it looks like um a lot of the cases are now going to fall as violations of people's civil rights to equal treatment. Yeah. Uh, and I think that will be you know important in the American context and it might have a spillover effect that This is no longer acceptable to discriminate on the basis of race. Because, you know, now you could say, well, it is obviously, it could be the case that you have, you know, people tend to know people like them and and maybe that influences hiring or promotion. But there's other ways to, if you think that might be an issue, there's other ways to deal with it. You know, for example, trying to recruit more broadly or have no no names on cvs or there are all kinds of other more meritocratic ways of trying to increase representation
2: Um,
1: that's one thing Uh, whereas any kind of quotas or timetables represents as you say uh, a violation of the principle of equal treatment and and you know because it results in naked discrimination yeah um yeah it is it is incredible that they've been able to first of all i mean why this is such a fixation you know because we could think of many other groups that are not maybe represented you mentioned working class in some cases it could be ideological are there uh, what's the share of conservatives and brexit voters or it could be um you know socioeconomic background it it, it could be appearance and looks it could be all kinds of things disabilities of various kinds Mm. it seems like the focus is because of the sexiness of this ideology the focus is almost Heavily on the holy trinity, race, gender, sexuality. Those are the sort
2: yeah.
1: of top concerns. Um, and, yeah, I'm not saying they should be zero. I'm just saying that it's unbalanced. And also the framework, the totalizing framework, right, where you have kind of you know, white versus non-white. You know, you mm-hmm. could say, for example, like, well, we need to have a discussion about, let's say, Asian prejudice against blacks, blacks prejudice against Muslims. You know, all these other kinds of cross-cutting antagonisms are in many ways more important. So, for example, hate crime in Britain is disproportionately committed by minorities against minorities.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, You know, hate crime against black people is disproportionately committed by uh, Asian people. Now, it's not to say that that that's most of the hate crime against blacks, but it's just an example of where the lens they're applying is very much the critical race totalizing majority minority black white sort of approach very simplistic um and and yeah there's no real attempt to kind of and also as you know probably um the sort of empirical scientific analysis of dei diversity programs shows they're completely ineffective or even i i would argue the evidence shows that they're counterproductive yeah so you have to ask yourself what are they actually doing with these programs other than fomenting division and a more sort of walking on eggshells kind of culture which actually doesn't help minorities you know one of the studies i did showed that people's willingness to criticize a black coworker uh, is much lower after taking diversity training and so if someone is not getting positive feedback how are they going to improve and get promoted right so i mean it's the whole thing is completely Um, without any emphasis on what works Mm. and it's all about what's political and what's fashionable
0: absolutely I mean when I uh, going back to my uh, talk with the director general um, from what I knew at the time a place like London uh, like certainly like south south London um, it's heavily uh, like a black community so it's a lot of problems that come from there and I did say to him, I said, you know, if you're looking to do something positive, have you looked into actually the problems in the communities, particularly? And it's it's heartbreaking because a lot of these young black boys, they come from fatherless homes, mum's working all the time. It's difficult. You know, there's it seems to me maybe a lack of moral structure. Mum typically does that, but if she's at work all day, it's going to be difficult to do. You know the and older boys or men will come along and groom these boys into gang culture Mm. and that that was my understanding i said that's a problem and if you're looking to do something why aren't you tackling maybe putting positive male role models in the schools and encouraging these boys to do better because that's where the problems are and um It was just oh, it's a good idea, but it's just oh well. So it seems to be a lot of platitudes, lip service to diversity. It's just like, but if you were, you'd be looking into the actual problems in these communities to try and boost them. But then there's that kind of oh well, that would be white supremacy,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but that sort of nicely shows you how ideology gets in the way of diagnosis of the problem, which would actually fix the problem. So because we have to pretend that white supremacy is the problem, we can't actually address what actually is the problem, which might Mm be maybe phonics as a style of learning. John McWhorter talks about that, Um, maybe an emphasis on much more discipline in schools, zero tolerance Mm -hmm. policies. All of those things will help nurture the black talent that's being held back by unruly classrooms because you're not willing to exclude unruly pupils. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, you, as you probably know, I mean the the black African outcomes are very different from the black Caribbean outcomes Mm -hmm. and which is tied very much into family and all these other things. Uh, But never is there any emphasis on that. I mean, they would never actually say, Oh, um, what's the percentage of black African versus black Caribbean people getting in and getting promoted you know, they would never seek to equalize. Say, oh well, there's too many black Africans and not enough black Caribbeans mm-hmm. for the pocket. Yeah. I mean, so it shows you what matters to them is purely is the symbols that are important to the new left, which are mm-hmm. purely black v white, rather than intra-white, intra-black differences, which are often bigger. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's it's all very highly political. But I think these a lot of these functionaries don't under. I mean, maybe they don't even understand. what they're doing is explicitly political or they're just I don't know I'd be interested in your thoughts on where this is coming from is it affinity groups is it uh, activist managers or is it just people running scared
0: I think it's probably a mixture of everything because um in my time at the DWP there there was people that I knew that were activists and when I brought up about the problems of putting pronouns in the email signatures and that it does violate this um, impartiality part of the code, there was kind of an accusation, well, your, feminine, your feminism doesn't include this. Just a well, I, I don't care about feminism. All right. I care about that this has got to be impartial and how that would look outwards to the public. And I said, yes, OK, fair enough. I have my own views on it. I don't believe in transgenderism at all. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I certainly understand that this kind of incongruence, this mental illness exists and it should be treated properly and accordingly, not through affirmative procedures. I think that's that is a, a corruption, an evil upon the world, personally. And I think it does a lot more harm to these people than it ever does good. Yeah. Um and I said, but I'm not going to be sitting there and lecturing these people if they show up at my desk, you shouldn't be doing this. That's not yeah. my job. My job's to help yeah. you into work, you know. And I did yeah. have trans people on my books. And that's the thing that they couldn't correlate, how, how I could hold these views and still treat people that they would deem me to treat as different. It's just like, well, no, I'm not going to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well that's right. I mean, people have to be judged on their interpersonal rather than these sort of their beliefs. And, and, and yeah, I think it's kind of, but it is interesting, you know, where the energy is coming from. How much of, I'd be interested to know how much of this was coming from younger, junior employees because hmm. you know ten, generally what we find is that the the sort of this illiberalism this progressive illiberalism is stronger amongst younger people hmm. Do you see that did you see that at all at
0: DWP funnily enough no oh, really? I think it was people older than me um yeah. there was this one bloke who took offense because I said uh you can't identify as female you either are or you're not and generally transsexuals recognize that as a thing you know there's a difference if you know between you know knowing that you are you can't be a trans woman unless you're a man you have to be male in order to be that so at least there's a recognition of sex is important to some or at least to some degree maybe not to a massive degree um but typically a lot of these people that interviewed me for well they investigated my behavior were older than me and i'm 32 Right. So it, it from what I know they were older than me and the decisions they're making probably anywhere between the thirty and fifty five.
1: And and they are, do you think do you think they have drunk the Kool-Aid or do you think they're just trying to, to virtue signal to their peers or to are they do they even have legal concerns or who is it that are they afraid? What do you think is driving their
0: behavior well i know for the critical race theory uh both peter Schofield and the director general their wives were reading these critical race books like oh, well i'm wait. not talking to white people about racism so there was this kind of wow. outwards you know outsider influence and it's just like, okay well i don't let my i didn't let my fiance's political views influence my job you know you yeah. just don't do that my job is my job um, so I think there's definitely outsider influence and it sounds nice and fluffy and always still going in the right direction. It's getting affirmed in the media. I think a lot of that's the case. But, you know, social media doesn't make up for the majority of people. Not everyone's mm-hmm. on Twitter, not everyone's on Facebook, Instagram or TikTok. They may be popular on there, but they're not popular in the wider world. Not with the Asian Why? population, not with those my age who aren't necessarily on social media. Um, I think certainly if they're going through the fast uh the fast stream service to become senior civil servants, they generally are university educated and university is definitely a problem. As much mm. as I hate that because I love education. I've got a degree myself. Yes. I'm really glad I came out I of definitely. it being somewhat sensible and not like, you know, tearing things down. Um I think, you know, a lot of even like I've I've read reports coming out in the news that, you know, even if you're taking like a STEM subject in university, I mean, I think it might have been St. Andrew's University subjected to every new university student into this kind of social justice test to see where they stood. Are you white? Are you straight? Are you cisgender and things like that? And it's kind of like a a bit of a grooming of these students to believe that this is like uncontested fact rather than ideology. And then I think that gets fed through all manner, not just the civil service, but in the private sector, and the third sector, oh, yeah. it just becomes accepted and not challenged.
1: Well, yeah, although I think now, I mean, it, it's so it's so much in the schools now. Um, you know, the latest stuff I did with policy exchange, the reports that I i did on this in 2022 i think it was last year but showed that something like three and four um 18 year olds had encountered well so it was like 78 percent, almost eight in ten had encountered at least one of six critical social justice concepts from an adult in school and and actually the difference between the university bound and non-university bound wasn't that great in their attitudes and, and so my, I'm I'm more around coming around to the belief that actually I'm not sure universities do all that much to to people. Okay. Their views are heavily formed already now. By the time they come to university, mm. it's the youth culture, the kind of influencers, the um, celebrities, the media, and all that stuff has already. Got to them now. It, it is worth saying it looks as though there's a huge gender split, um, with mm. women just a vastly more woke than men, uh, young men anyway. Um, yeah. and what that's going to mean is, is, is I, I'm not sure what that holds, but, um, and, and of course, I think also the fact that there is now, I mean, the the woke, a lot of the indicators of cancel culture and mentions of white supremacy in the media and things have peaked around 2021. Thereabouts and have come down a bit. They, they haven't come down massively, but they've come down a certain amount. Yeah, and I've kind of sensed some of the energy, the peak of that cancel culture has kind of come down a little bit. But of course, it's being institutionalized in these procedures in NHS and civil service. And there, the I think the only way to get it out is really through. I mean, yes, the media pressure has helped from the everything from the times to the right but on the other hand you need government to really come in mm. and rewrite these codes and essentially get proactively get it out of the civil service yeah. and I, I actually think they've been too weak on this um I mean, I, it's, yeah.
0: uh, sorry i just think like with the conservative government they they aren't conservative they're conserving absolutely nothing they don't right. care about the culture some of them do i think kemi badenock and uh miriam Coates, uh kate's Uh, they're very much about the culture and that's important i think the conservative party by and large has forgotten about the culture the people that it's meant to serve not conserving any values so right
1: yeah i think they
0: (laughs) yeah and there's a whole
1: backstory to why that is and you know there's various reasons including you know the type of there have been mp surveys that show they're just basically most of them are about economic liberalism Mm. Then you had the whole Theresa May burning injustices kind of nasty party stuff, which I think has been a completely negative direction. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting just to see where this goes, because I think my impression is certainly that all the energy and the momentum and the creativity is is on the anti-woke side. Now, what that means is how that gets translated into politics. It's much clearer in America uh, where these are campaign issues and they're winning for the Republicans. But in Mm you know how this manifests in britain where it's probably going to be a labor government um and that means if anything this is going to be supercharged you know there will be no pressure in the institutions i don't think uh you know to reform them anymore so Mm. i just i worry that that's the direction of travel under a labor government is going to be quite negative but you know
0: (laughs) it might wake a a few people up though it might yeah. it might give people the boost to actually speak about these things. I think that's the only positive I can see in like a Labour government being in charge is that people go, My God, what have we done? Yeah. You know, but then also recognise the failings of the past, you know, twenty, thirty years that has just been a cultural rot, I would say. And um, you know, a lot of people aren't for mass my um, immigration. Right. We're not for this indoctrination of children in schools. Um I'd say people are probably a lot more conservative than they like to think because right. being a conservative is not a dirty word. It's you right. know, it's just a word to describe certain values. Um, It's definitely interesting though, when it comes to having a conservative government, certainly me being fired under a conservative government for stating that, you, well, you can't change your sex, generally speaking. And... I don't want to treat people unfavorably because of their race, which five, even five years ago wouldn't have been a problem. Right. Definitely... So you,
1: you, you noticed a change then uh, towards more intolerance. Uh, mm. and, and what, in terms of uh, legal remedies and in terms of sort of challenging these decisions, whereabouts are things, I don't know if you can talk about yeah. it
0: so my case is settled now we went to mediation before court um i was allocated an eight-day trial because it was a big case and essentially uh, my claims were unfair dismissal um victimization discrimination based on i think it was race sex and philosophical belief and a few others there was nine in total but I always forget (laughs) like what they are Mm -hmm. um so we done the exchange of documents and as it turned out and this was as close to a smoking gun as you can get um I had a meeting with the anti-race hub lead and said you know and this lady went and consulted a behavioral scientist in a DWP and there's handwritten notes saying Anna wasn't wrong the permanent secretary should not have taken an anti-racist racist approach because it's too politically controversial. So it's just well, I, I raised a jolly good point, and obviously so much so that they probably had to get rid of me. That's my thoughts anyway. Oh. But I was this behavioural scientist actually said you should use Anna as an ally because she will be able to tell you well she's not stupid no and not that's any because a lot of people don't want to pay attention to this and I don't blame them but it's just that basically she's intelligent you need to kind of use her I've never been called intelligent in my life (laughs) um but instead of maybe taking heed that actually maybe I could have been something positive for the DWP and to warn them that actually this is controversial you need to tone it down you know there are things that we could do Um, to bolster actual diversity and inclusion, but instead it was, we need to remove her. Because, Mm. and I reckon it's probably, out of all the comments is that I said that you cannot identify as being a female. It's a fixed thing. right? (laughs) I think that's what it is. (laughs) But a lot of people did message me on, because my comments were public, saying that we agree with you, but we're too scared to say anything. And it's just like... That's the problem. And I don't blame them for being scared because it was a nightmare to go through that.
1: Oh, I know. I've been yeah, you know, I've been through uh multiple internal investigations at my oh university <laughs> So I'm very aware of when that email lands, you know, there's been a complaint and you must mm. show up at this tribunal and that, you know. But yeah. um I do think the free speech union has made a difference now, uh, to people as a resource that people can lean on to Absolutely. find their corner and get a bit more sort of lift their spirits a little bit and a bit of psychological support, legal support. Um, So I do think that it's not as dire as it was when I first got, you know, through one of these investigations in 2018, but, yeah. um, And as people share their experiences and it's, there's more of a pushback now, but I think just getting into the institutions sort of with the, with their entrenched, DEI machinery and ideology
2: mm.
1: you know is is proving to be difficult without it can only come from I'm afraid I think from government and from lawfare so I mean maybe your case in all these cases if they establish certain legal precedents that counsel has to be mindful of that can that can exert some mm. kind of pressure on some of these initiatives.
0: Yeah um, I mean even though I didn't win in court it was a settlement you don't win a £100,000 in a settlement unless, you know, they haven't got a case. And certainly taxpayers' money. And I always say it is of taxpayers' money. This this is funded by the government. I was a civil servant. And so I'm just like, well, maybe they shouldn't have done that. But the only loser here is the taxpayer Mm -hmm. because what happened to me was an injustice by the hands of the civil service. And people are sick of this. And some yeah. some of the comments that I've seen on the interviews that I've given is very much like, well, no one wins here. I've lost my career.
2: Mm.
0: You know, nothing changed. No one's punished in the DWP. I think there's probably going to have to be a bit of a clear out of the radicals. Yeah. I don't think there's any way that they should be serving. There's no way they can because yeah. they're too ideologically driven. And we have to be very careful and set a higher standard in the civil service in the nhs and anything that's publicly funded when it yeah, comes I mean, to this but the, yeah and,
1: and of course it raises you see the issue with the tribunal and your settlement um, and, and, you know there's there's a lot of this has gone on in the u.s too with um people for example charged of of, of rape and that, that the cases later fell apart and there weren't they didn't follow due process mm-hmm. universities will do these payouts they're not necessarily massive cost items for them no. to use a, a tribunal case and, and settle the the question is going to be whether or not it's enough money to to change their outlook um mm. and that's really that's why it's always if we can get judicial review if we can get some precedent setting case but it all adds up and it's all useful because those cases will draw yours but i mean and but of course also to get if you if you got a very hands-on government you know like Ron DeSantis banning DEI, for example. You mm. know that's the kind of thing that's ultimately probably the only way to get rid of it. Uh, mm. But, but, but beyond that, yeah, it raises these bigger questions around public morality, right? So that mm. if 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 the lodestar, the north star of public morality, is anti-racism and and anti-sexism and anti-transphobia, that's the only thing we care about, and there mm. are no countervailing principles like freedom of, of thought and speech and reason and yeah. you know, merit and all these other things, then uh, all the incentives are to go all in on these taboos and weaponize them and expand them. So mm. how we kind of get hold of that is, I think it's going to be a big political issue going forward. Yeah. I think mean, one thing in Britain that's different, like if you compare the U S and Britain, you know, like in Britain uh, culture wars issues have a lower ranking in the population so for example republican voters they're a top three issue for about half of republican voters
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i would say in britain it's only about one in five tory even brexit voters that place those in the top three um even though the media actually does a pretty good job in britain of of exposing these things and talking them up but somehow it's not what's being talked about in the media is not cracking into the general even the sort of conservative british population Mm -hmm doesn't seem to have yet cracked so a lot of people still have high trust in universities and schools whereas in the U.S. Republican voters have very low trust in universities and schools which Mm -hmm. I think is in some ways a more accurate reflection at least at least to understand that these are institutions that are working against your values yeah that doesn't seem to have sunk in here yet and even though there's a lot of stories in the media and on social media it just I don't know why, but for some reason, the British population, I think the penny's going to drop, but it's taking longer. So it, it, mm-hmm. as with migration, for example, I think it's it's taking more time for those understandings of what's going on to percolate. Yeah. I, I don't know what you think:
0: Well, I definitely think I was speaking to um, a lady yesterday about uh, certainly the schools that like we've gone from educating in you know things that matter to being like you know emotional learning and social learning um which is the parents job as far as i'm concerned i mean i think my job is to raise my daughter to be you know to understand boundaries things like that, become a good citizen of the world you know that generally kind of idea um but it focuses a lot on like i call it like fluff and nonsense where it's just right. like how to be friends is just like well <laughs> that that's really why the playground exists you let them right. get on with it and then when it gets bad you intervene and you go no but you're not allowed to discipline children anymore mm-hmm. in schools you know you've got to affirm pseudo identities you've got to you know apparently now talk about things that, like social justice i mean even in the homeworks of like geography you know they're talking about you know the refugees coming over from syria what's the safest route to the uk yeah. what <laughs> what's that what's about the... oh hang on a minute that's a little bit yeah, but, but to better. some extent to
1: some extent there's a failure again. i i bring this back to to a failure of conservatism and the conservative party you know they should be in issuing very tight guidance on curriculum mm. reshaping the curriculum understanding that schools are a major sort of breeding ground for uh, you know that's shaping the next generation so you yeah. have to be much more hands on instead they think well this is ungentlemanly. we don't want to fight the culture war because you know that just wouldn't be nice I mean you contrast that to the approach that the Republicans are taking in the U.S. which is just yeah. full you know full frontal on this stuff and it, yeah. unfortunately that's the only thing that's going to work because ultimately they will always hide behind oh, this is not ideology, this is just being nice. And you have Mm -hmm. to rip that mask off and say, no, you're actually being illiberal and you're being nasty to these groups. And So you have to have the courage to do that, be called a whatever by the progressive media or by Mm -hmm. the progressive teachers and plow ahead. Mm -hmm. And you will eventually get there and then they will eventually change once they realize they've lost. That's the only way. Um, And so I think until we're at that point, this stuff will continue to spread. And so I, but I think maybe the population will reach a a sort of level where they understand what's happening.
0: Yeah. I definitely think more speech, more talking to people honestly about these things is important when people Mm -hmm. are like, you know, Oh, we, we want to make people comfortable. It's just like, well, sometimes you can't and you have to live with that. This, this is the real world we're living in and it comes with severe consequences. We're seeing this with our children, You know when they're hating themselves or treating themselves like victims all the time or trying to like certainly with young girls we know there's a social contagion of being non-binary or trans men and doing irreversible harm to themselves you know we've got you know boys so displaced They're not sure what to do. We've feminised the whole education system that's not working in their favour. That's not good. We need our boys to become Mm. good men. And you don't do that by trying to treat them the same as you would girls. There are differences. And we have to be really honest about that. And it's backed up with science and evidence. And it's just, I'm sorry, but feedings should not come into it. There's a way and means of putting it, maybe. But right now people need as you say, ripping the mask off and being like, This is the problem, we need to resolve this. You know, it's not hatred of anyone.
1: You're you're so right, you know, that we've kind of become unbalanced between, you know, we've moved so far in the direction of victimhood culture Mm. and coddling. You know, there has to be a sort of rebalancing back to resilience and responsibility. And that will actually have all these salutary effects on things like mental illness and, and and Yeah. I mean, I think part of the problem is what you had were these ideas in kind of quote unquote humanistic psychology and, you know, also the critical social justice stuff Mm. in academia, you know, for decades. And then because of this new media model that we got in the mid 2010s plus social media just broke that barrier uh, in a vulgarized form and started being implemented by all these activists. Um, Mm. And so... You know what? What's really needed is a sort of turning back of that, mm. um, which is going to take. You know, we're going to need about. We need to push on everywhere. We're going to need to push in government. We're going to need to push um, in the law. It's going to be in institutions. It's going to be a, mm. people doing things, whatever they can, uh, to try and sort of start to get things moving back the other way, in small yeah. ways, and then I think it'll snowball.
0: Definitely, um, I agree 100%. We well, need to well, sow those yeah. seeds and just, you know, if it, anything can come from what's happened to me, I hope more people can speak up. That's it. And yeah, just be and like, not... yeah, I'm not putting up with this anymore. You know, you've got to assert your boundaries. Like, I'm not being treated like this. I don't care about being called a transphobe, a homophobe, a racist. I just, that, I'm done with these labels. Just like you think what you want. I know exactly what I am. I'm confident right. in who I am. People need to be confident in the right ways, not this general self esteem i think jordan peterson might have t- spoken about this whole self-esteem concept it's very bizarre she's like i know there's things i don't know and i'm yes. not even gonna <laughs> not even gonna go for it you know it's just like i don't know enough about it so i shouldn't have self-esteem in things that i don't understand i should yeah. in the things that i do you know
1: and... yeah and good for you because you know more examples like yours will will inspire others Mm -hmm. Um, everyone's got to be doing this who can who who can see past it and is willing to put themselves out there yes do it you know we all have to try and do it as where we can um but also judo your story because it's the civil service and there's a growing awareness or a growing sense that these intermediate institutions are i'm not gonna say out of control but they are essentially um pushing an agenda against the democratic will of the population. And so you're getting a, a decline in trust. It's happening it's more slowly in Britain than in the US case, but declining trust in these institutions like schools, universities and perhaps civil service mm. where they think that oh, they're right, they know better than people. So they're going to push policy the way they want to and to hell with the elected representatives. Right. So yeah. so part of this is kind of an attack on democracy. Yeah. Um, and and one of the points that I sort of will be raising in my next book is if you think about the idea of liberalism, freedom, it's always been thought of in terms of government oppressing individuals, but you actually have three layers. You've got government institutions, individuals, and if yeah. the oppression is coming out of the institutions, right, if it's the schools and civil service and universities and corporations that are doing the thought control and the, the, the controlling people's speech, Freedom comes from government mm. clamping down on these institutions and removing their autonomy. And and some people think, oh, my God, government is always against freedom. Well, no, actually, if you go back to the original political philosophy around liberalism, it was partly about government protecting people's natural rights. And so yeah. in this case, government actually, it's like if bandits were roving everywhere and you can never leave your house, the only way you get your freedom back is if a government central government can then arrest these people yeah. and therefore you can walk around freely and and that's the such that's the kind of threat that liberalism is facing today it's not from government necessarily i mean there could be problems but generally it's coming from these institutions and so part of the the, the task for the new liberalism and civil rights is about yeah essentially uh, curtailing and uh, controlling and reforming institutions like the civil service. So it's part of a bigger problem of what's called private censorship that's spreading. And this is kind of the the place, the soft underbelly that woke activists have gone after is these institutions and their administrative uh layers to try and use those to sort of inculcate and and restrict people's freedom. And that so so part of this is about a bigger agenda of of kind of Uh, yeah essentially protecting people's freedom from institutions
0: yeah excellent (laughs) there's so much that you know we could look at with all of this and so I think there's solutions but what would you say the main solution is for individuals what is their best line of defense in all this stuff
1: well definitely to try and make yourself aware of your rights um, definitely be Following the Free Speech Union and other similar bodies, obviously, I'd like people to be, you know, following Unheard and the New Culture Forum and and on all of these things we probably follow. Uh, but, oh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're, yeah, at least if you're a member of, of the, the FSU, for example, then you've got legal backup and you got you'll you'll find out about your rights more. That's what individuals, and also to resist as as much as you can resist without jeopardizing you know, you've got to obviously balance against your other commitments and values, but mm. resist new buzzwords. Uh, I would say resist new initiatives, pressure to change the meaning of words. Um, and and it's just because it's new, it doesn't mean it's right, you know, so th- yes. that's what the average person, I guess, I would say can probably do. And, and maybe if you want to join, um, you know, political movements, I mean, I think part of it too, is as bad as the Conservatives are, they're the only ones that are willing to do at least something about it. And if people are voting, um, if people start to vote on these issues and the Conservatives gain a, even if it's a 5% advantage um, by being on the right side of these cultural war issues and Labour on the wrong side, that tweaks, that changes the incentive and it strengthens the hand of the more, Uh, liberal and tolerant left Mm. um, against the radical left. And so you almost need the the right to win on these issues to therefore convince the left to reform itself. And then Mm. you've got a positive spiral. So people probably do need to start voting more on these issues, making these issues more important into how they think about voting. And I think that only through that are we really going to get the pressure Mm. on institutions, on the culture to shift it um and 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 the other thing actually yeah so i'm kind of more of a proponent of government intervention and reform i mean yes citizens have to have a lot they can do but government intervention and reform i think you know for example if you had laws that really clarified the meaning of the term racism and harassment and essentially helped to sort of clamp down eliminate wipe out these dei programs you know you have Instances in the past, like smoking and seatbelt laws, where they started out legal and they became cultural. And so, yeah. if we if we come in with this free speech and, uh, and legislation that that is much more against cultural socialism and much more in favor of the old enlightenment uh, liberalism, I think that mm-hmm. can change culture as well. That's my hope. Yeah. Um, so it's it's multi pronged. We got to do we got to do the battle of ideas but i think we also have to elect governments that are willing to implement
0: uh reforms Uh, i I think that's a really good way to look at it i personally would like to see i mean i've i went to the house of lords last month to talk about this stuff and um i did advocate i was just like you need to make a public body to filter through all of this Mm. like absolutely at least at very least a complete inquiry across the whole civil service you need to gauge individual civil servants and how they feel it's affecting them but like I knew it affected me not just on a personal level but on a professional level this is what I got fired on the basis that I called out as as a work coach I've got to help people into work right 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 and I, I was asked to promote because we all are to promote certain provisions one came through there was one for women one for BAME um one for LGBT and I said well this excludes straight white men (laughs) so other demographics disabled people and but I said why are we discriminating against straight white men we're not supposed to do that it breaches our code and um they were like ideological reasons and I said I can't do this I'm sorry but I just refuse that that was my breaking point I was just like nope I've had six months of this nonsense and I just I can't do it
1: yeah, I mean, and, and also the way, you know, even if they are giving a little bit of time to, let's say, working class or disability, it, the, you know, it's it's the amount of emphasis on these different things. Like, if the amount of emphasis on race and, and gender is is disproportionate, then that is political. Even if it is, even if they have all the categories there, mm. if it's lopsided in the attention, that is a political choice yeah, um, as well. So that, that kind of, I think, needs to be, needs to be pointed out um, too. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's good for you that you stood up. The other thing I kind of floated this idea, imagine if you said, well, anything you do on race, gender and sexuality, you can do it, but it has to be matched exactly with um, politics and ideology. So if you wanna monitor um, the racial composition, you gotta monitor the share of Brexiteers and conservatives in your mm-hmm. workforce. If you want to do anything affirmative on race, you've got to do the same on conservatism. I mean, I think, now, I'm just saying, I think probably workplaces would choose to dial down their DEI rather than do that. But it would just kind of be an interesting experiment to see, would they really try and get more Brexiteers in in as as civil servants? I mean, it would be interesting.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I I would be interested to see that. Because, I I mean, uh, from my interactions, not just online, offline, I, I attend Let Women Speak events, you know they assume your politics they assume you're white supremacist fascist nazi Um, even the black ladies that were there they were white supremacist bigoted nazis and so are the asian women it's just like i don't think you know what these words mean but you do get categorized that was one thing i was categorized it was just you know they like to you know for people who are like oh we don't like labels you cisgender white person oh okay then i see how it is (laughs) <laughs> Label's not for you, maybe, but for everyone else, you know, but that, I think that'd be interesting because, I mean, Brexit's become like an identity in itself, hasn't it? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And it's certainly in the university setting, that's, you know, by far the biggest taboo, you know, well, or at least, you know, we so, so for example, I think about a third of UK academics in the, in the survey work I did wouldn't hire an old Brexiteer for a job, right? So And, and think, this is now actually illegal um philosophical belief i mean we still need a few court cases to really pin it down but yeah it's essentially illegal it's being done massively on a massive scale mm. um and of course that's never talked about by dei you know uh
0: philosophical well, there is discrimination <laughs> against brexiteers and i think you know it's strange because we had the vote like what seven eight years ago Yeah, it was a legitimate thing and mm-hmm. even though, like, back then, I voted to remain, I changed my mind now. Absolutely yeah. no, I, and I know. Too, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just like, but it was a referendum. How is that yeah. not already protected in law? You shouldn't be discriminated against whether you remain or leave. Like, just, I just yeah. wish people would have got on with Brexit. I, after five minutes, I was like, ah, all oh, right, okay. <laughs> but we're going, that's it. That's that's yeah. democracy. People talk about how much we need to rescue democracy. Well, it was actioned, and they just didn't like it. Another yeah. word that's maybe redefined these days is democracy.
1: Yeah, well, I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, it is it is remarkable that that the whole train of events. But I think, you know, I do think it gets to this deeper problem of you know, like you can only have, let's say, Islamic fundamentalism in a highest Muslim society and mm. I think you can only have woke fundamentalism in a society where everyone kind of agrees on these taboos and 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 that's I actually think the next stage is going to be unpicking or at least questioning so it's not that it shouldn't be a bad thing to be a racist but there should be much more of a sort of proportional graduated approach to it so like age 16 you call somebody a, a name yeah maybe you made a mistake and then Okay, you don't you don't do that anymore. Yeah, that should not be some kind of indelible stain on your character. You know, so right now we have, I think there's too much acquiescence in the sacredness of racial minority groups of of you know sexual minority groups. There's too much of a willingness to see that as sacred. I mean, it's not as ext- like in North America, it's more extreme around particularly Native peoples. You know they're treated as these cuddly sacred objects that lived in harmony with nature I mean, completely ridiculous yeah but
0: there is humans think, we've I mean, never done that
1: <laughs> um so there is going to i think have to be a sort of shift in our knee-jerk kind of disgust reflex around some of these taboos to make it more like the law where there's a first offense and then there's like you know more severe and less severe versions. Just so, because I do think the wider public morality needs to be weakened and changed in a certain way, ultimately. Otherwise, it'll keep presenting opportunities for these entrepreneurs to come in and weaponize. And I mean, until we actually have more checks on that, yeah, I think we we're going to be
0: getting money. in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, a grievance is an industry, really, isn't it? A grievance is yeah. an industry in itself. I definitely think, you know, if these employees can actually you know grow a pair and just go well i'm not having this
1: yeah which i think is happening a little bit more i mean you you see it a little bit here and there mm. um i just don't i don't know exactly i mean there are you know there was like netflix and a few major companies that said no to their employee activists mm. it has started to happen a little bit yeah um the dei Industry has been cut back a lot in certainly in major U.S. companies. So I mean, these are all positives. I I don't know whether and how far this is going to go. I mean, maybe this new court ruling on affirmative action will accelerate it, but we need we need another court ruling on this hostile environment stuff to really scale it back. Um, And so you can't make ridiculous court claims that you know there were claims around someone who said a joke about Iran's supreme leader that being kind of Islamophobic you know these kinds of Mm. that sort of stuff has been up had been upheld in the courts so yeah I think there's a whole series of these changes that need to happen to really dial it back Uh, well let's and let's just hope that happens
0: here's hoping oh sorry my cat's just decided to sit on my desk okay and she usually does (laughs) I thought you were outside
1: chat. well
0: Well, that was was great Yeah. yeah thank you so much it's thank been a pleasure you. to to you yeah what and what have you got planned do
1: you have uh you've got your sub stack now and um are you planning to expand your content or
0: yeah at the moment it's a bit of a yeah, i'm doing a lot of reading and yeah. a lot of research and just kind of sitting down and thinking about things clearly as much okay. as i can because it's such a big area i'm i i'm a musician by like i, I am actually i've got a degree in music performance i'm a drummer oh. So I come from that area. I fell into the civil service by, you know, needing a job and ended up enjoying it. Um, So it's it's a bit new ground for me and I just want to learn as much as I can to make better conclusions. You know, I don't think anything's always so fixed like people like to think it is. It's like, no, yeah. people's opinions and political views change over time. I was a lot more liberal when I was, you know, 22 and now I'm a lot more conservative at 32. I might fall yeah. somewhere in the middle when I'm forty-two. You just don't know. I yeah, think yeah. <laughs> life is for learning, and education's so important. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm a bit maybe toxic in the employment area, <laughs> for just companies in general because they can look you up now and be like, "Oh, actually, yes." So, um, yes, yeah, a bit.
1: Oh, but well, but good for you. All the more reason that you know the you know we need people of courage to to step forward. And I know it's it exhausts exacts a cost as you say and as you found mm. um it's just too bad in a way but i mean what's but i guess you must have i guess one door closes another opens i guess you have um you know different things that you'll want to do or is is it are you yeah. okay with with your current situation i don't
0: i'd like to be working again i must admit like um oh. i've retrained as a hairdresser but um even some of the clients that i've had are like you are wasted doing this because yeah. we talk about things, so I'd like to do something that's you know cultural, yeah. You know, really help in that way. I'd love to work with anyone like the FSU, fantastic organisation. They have been a godsend to me, yeah. Um, you know, and so that's one organisation I'd love to work for.
1: Well, uh, maybe we can, you we, you can be an MP.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh crikey, <laughs> I de- I think I'd be more interested in um more behind the scenes than right. being a face of you know, I think, you know, I think they're both equally important. Um but yeah, at the moment it's just well, enjoying the time I've got of my daughter without a, a court case hanging over my head and uh-huh. just enjoying life reading and seeing what comes up, which at the moment I think say since April, since um oh, who was it? Is it Jeremy Hunt resigned? Yeah and they were saying about the civil service, I was a bit like, well, this is well-timed. Right. And then there's more things, sort of Braverman and the driving license scandal and, oh, more, more things coming out, particularly with the transgender critical debate. Um, the civil service release documents that were one was in favor of gender critical one was in favor of trans it's just like this is a mess we're in a total right. mess so i think i need to kind of watch out for things like that and just keep maybe giving my two cents on it
1: <laughs> yeah 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 no it's absolutely right i mean i've got a new book coming out uh but it'll be in early next year
0: oh lovely okay taboo
1: i think it'll be called taboo which which is all just kind of my analysis of of what's driving this whole situation what to do about it uh, but but yeah it's definitely i think going to be defining along with the migration issue perhaps we'll be defining conservative politics over the next cycles next, next set of cycles these cultural issues yeah yeah so i think there will be you know opportunities i don't know how best you know you the substack is one but maybe politics advising i don't know quite a, there's definitely going to be room for talented people um <laughs> like yourself but you know so i hope to see you uh continuing in this yes absolutely
0: absolutely yeah. and um uh you you your most recent book um cork, i've forgotten the Mind name shift so. was
1: yeah my last yeah. it was more about populism and, and immigration mm. and all those issues
0: excellent that's on my that's on my wish list <laughs> got, i've got a stack of books and i've got a few more coming so okay yes, it's on that list <laughs> so i wish it were see. shorter than
1: it was but yeah. <laughs> good anna all right well um this was great and you know uh reach out again and and uh otherwise all the best
0: yes yeah, send you my down and take care of yourself okay, thanks for care. being here I'll thanks. take care Bye. bye Hello and thank you ever so much for joining us on The Impartial Project. If you're a current or former civil servant that has concerns or has a story you'd like to tell about the political activism in your department, then please do contact me on anna at theimpartialproject.org. Thank you.